Blog Talk Radio. Listen, for those of you that are going through, for those of us that are waiting on His promise, understand God has not forgotten you. When times get tough, you got to look up to heaven and encourage yourself and say, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, I hope you're ready tonight. We have an awesome, mm-hmm. awesome interview, uh, interview Earth, and we are going to have fun. I'm telling you, we're going to have fun with our guest tonight. And um, for those that are listening, make sure you have a pen and a pad because we're going to discuss some things. Uh, I was telling our uh, guest, Brian, that I received a lot of text messages and emails, people on Facebook and everything, asking me about our guest and how she's able to do what she's doing and, you know, just just basic stuff, stuff that I thought that they probably wouldn't ask, but they'll, they'll get the answer tonight. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. You know, Greg, as we always start our show out, uh, we want to welcome everybody here and um, how we've been doing it in the past few months is we encourage you all to give to the devastation efforts in Haiti. You know, um, however you may give, you may want to send clothes, you may want to send finances, you may want to send food, but we definitely want you to send your prayers out to the people of Haiti and to the nation of Haiti. Um, for many of us, we know that hurricane season is, is upon us, and for anyone that lives on that eastern coast, and quite a few on the west coast as well, they understand how hurricanes can be devastating. But for the people of Haiti, a hurricane would be like, you know, after the wound has been opened, you pouring up a gallon of salt in it. So we definitely want to pray those hurricanes away from the coast of Haiti, as well as the coast of Florida, because that's where we live. <laughs> But however you may um, help in aiding those efforts, please do so. But, Greg, absolutely, we're going to have a great show tonight. We have an awesome guest, and I know that this guest has something for us that we definitely need to hear. Let's go ahead and bring our guest in. We have with us our very special guest and best-selling author, Ms. Jacqueline Thomas. And she's an award-winning best-selling author with 29 titles in print. Wow. wow. And her books have garnered several awards, including two Emma Awards, the Romance and Color Reviewers Award, Reader's Choice Award, and the Atlanta Choice Award in the Religious and Spiritual category. And I tell you, I want to bring her on just to say, how do you do that? Please welcome Ms. Jacqueline Thomas. Hi. Hi, Brian. Hi, Gregory. Hello. How are you? Hello. I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you so much for agreeing to uh, come on the show. Um, oh, thank you guys for having me. Yes, thank you so much, and also to Dr. Bede, um, who is instrumental in doing a lot of things. I think she has about 29 titles as well. But, uh, <laughs> She's a very good lady. Yeah, you know, I, I, I definitely wanted to... Um, um, talk about the things that you're doing right now with the 29 titles. Oh, my goodness, how in the world do you find time to do all of this? 
Well, you know, um, I've been published since 97, and at that time I started my very first year out with having to write um, three books in one year. And so starting out that way, I just got used to the routine. And so I usually average out to the um, three to four books a year. Wow. Which means I have no life. Whew. I was going to say, husband, children. No, which means you're pouring a lot of life into your work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I, it takes balance, and, I, and actually, you know, with with I'm very active in my church. I'm a mother, um, a wife, um, driver, sports mom. You know, very busy, but I love what I do. I love what I do, and the key is really just finding that balance. Absolutely. Really quick, Brian, I want to ask her this: For there's a lot of people listening right now. A lot of women are listening. And one of the things that they asked me today, they, they were surprised that Christian authors or Christian books are selling the way that they are. I guess that they feel that they have to write books the way that society says a book should be written. What would you say to them? You know, I always ask people, are they writing from the heart or from the head? Because when you're writing from the head, you're actually writing for the market. And it may not be something that you're passionate about. But if you're writing from the heart, that's the story, you know, that's your heart song. That's the story of your heart. That's the story you're most passionate about. However, it may not be what the market wants. And so as a writer, you have to decide um, going out the gate, am I going to write for the market? Am I going to write from my heart? You know, what is my heart song? You have to know your why. Hmm. And that's very important. You know, because then there are no surprises. If you're writing for the market, it may not be something you're passionate about, but you're writing just to sell the book. And that's okay if that's what you've decided to do. But when you're writing from the heart, you have got to trust. And for me, a lot of it is trusting God. Because I firmly believe when God gives you a vision, he gives provision, and he's going to open doors where there are none. Mm. And so when you're writing for him, you have to trust that even if the market says this is not a book that we want, you know, the world tells us that sex sells, and so every book has to be graphic and, you know, violent and, and all these other things, but that's not what I write. And I write for God because ultimately I will have to answer to him. That's good. That's true. That's, that's, woof, that's powerful. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm over here, and Greg knows me, I'm just all smiles because I love to hear the when people have passion in, about what they do. And I could hear the passion in her voice as she talks about what she loves to do. You know, what was it that led you to know that you would be an author? You know, I was very, very shy growing up. And I'm still, I still, I still struggle with shyness. And so I didn't talk to people when I was younger. I would always write. And my third grade teacher actually was the one that told me that I had this gift for writing. And so she kind of nurtured my writing throughout my school years. She was a friend of our family, so she was always in my life. She was a constant. And she was actually at my very first book signing. But she always knew, and she always said I would be that writer. And for me, writing is very cathartic. Um, It has always given me a voice when I didn't have a voice. And so it's just what I love. I love to write. You know, it's, it's the kind of thing that just kind of makes me sing, for lack of a better way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we, we've we heard a lot of uh, 
authors say that writing was therapeutic for them. Was it for you mm-hmm. as well? Oh, yes, definitely, definitely. You know, um, I kept journals. Um, you know, for a long time I kept, before it was popular, what I would call my praise journal. And what that was is just I would um, write my prayers down because I was so shy, even talking to God was kind of difficult. And so that was my way of talking to God. I would write these letters to God. And then I would make my request known. And when he answered those prayers, I would go back and date them. Well, it became my praise journal because when times were hard and difficult and when it just looked, when, when times were bleak, I would go back and read through that journal and I could see all the times God came through for me. And every it kept me encouraged time. and kept me filled with hope. Wow. And I still do every that. Every single time. Every single time he he come through, huh? Every single time. Every single time. Now, it wasn't always in the way that I expected or wanted, but he answered every single prayer. And he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, he does. And, Brian, this is therapeutic to me already. I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting here in smiles because Brian and I, you know, we were just talking today. We we both are always trying to do something uh, to help people. And, and with your writing, you're helping people. And when we try to do things, I mean, to just do things to help people for free, uh, do, do you do things at your church like seminars, workshops, to reach out to the young writers that are coming up behind you? Oh, yes. I mentor writers all across the country. I'm actually working with a couple of middle school writers who are absolutely wonderful, and I work with my church. Um, I'm actually over the clothing outreach ministry in our church where I collect clothes from everybody. If you have any clothes, please send them to me for men because we're in desperate need, and we take it to a center, and we give the clothes away, and, you know, we feed them. We give them food, so... I'm like you. I like to give. That's what we're here for. We, you know, Jesus said he came to serve and not be served, and that's really the attitude that we should have. We are here to serve, not to be served, and somehow we got it twisted that the world Mm -hmm. owes us something. And so that is not the way that I was brought up, and that's not the way God would have me be. And if I'm to please God, I have to follow what the Bible says. Now, granted, I'm not perfect. I mess up every day, but I strive every day to be the woman that God has designed me to be. I like that. Awesome, awesome. I like that. I love that. I and love so, yes, I work with a lot of people. I give away books, um, you know, because, again, I want to reach people and inspire them and give them hope. You know, um, God is awesome, and I just want people to know that. And what address should they mail those clothing to? They can send it to um, 2404 Carriage Oaks Drive. That's Raleigh, North Carolina, 27614. Okay. Okay, good. Awesome, awesome. That's great ministry. You know, I used to actually work in a clothing, food and clothing ministry at a church I used to attend couple years ago and great ministry i mean it goes beyond satisfaction when you know that you're helping somebody with the basic needs exactly exactly you know exactly nothing makes me happier you know to be able to go out and help someone you know um let's talk a little bit about the book 
that you have out now. I know we could talk about all 29, but, you know, we have (laughs) an hour in the show. But tell us about the latest one. We're going to talk about Samson, which is my latest book. Um, Samson Taylor is a man of God, and he's definitely no saint, of course. He's controlled by his lust for beautiful women. And that weakness stirs up trouble, heartache, betrayal, and, you know, just drama. He loves God, and he tries hard to really, really keep the temptations in check because he doesn't want to be anything like his father. But then he meets Delinda, mm. and Delinda is um, beautiful, sexy, but she's also married. And so they fall in love, you know, and they're involved in a dangerous affair that leads to a physical confrontation with Delinda's husband. So at that point, Samson begins a journey that he never could have anticipated, and, you know, he his heart is now his guide because, you know, something tragic happens, and so he has a new kind of seeing. And the inspiration of Samson was inspired, of course, by the biblical tale of Samson and Delilah in Judges. Um, I was interested in this particular story because I've always wondered why Samson couldn't really, um, you know, couldn't get a clue that um, Delilah wasn't good for him. You know, I just mm-hmm. never could understand why he couldn't see what she was up to. And that she would be his ruin, his ruin, and so that was kind of the seed that, um, you know, ignited the story for me, because I, I just really wanted to kind of get a full understanding of Samson. A lot of my books are based on biblical people in the Bible, and the reason why is because I want people to actually go back to the Word of God and read the the real stories, because, you know, if you're looking for drama, there was a lot of drama in the Bible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving this because yeah, the first thing right. I thought about was I got to go back and read Samson and Delilah, and then she <laughs> says it. You know, it makes you read the Bible. That's good stuff. Yes, it is. It's almost like you know what the Bible it does. You, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of drama in the Bible. My like, gosh, it's like the soap kind of. It's just all yeah. kind of stuff that's going on. And and you know, Samson is. When I saw that name, even before uh, Dr. B sent me your information, that was, you know, when I read a little bit that I did, that that just, I mean, I, I, I got so much out of that. I got a lot out of it as, as um, men need to be careful and women need to be careful and, and, and do away with the games and stop all of this crazy stuff that's going on. And I, I want to, as a man, I want to uh, ask you this. Why is it that a woman is a man's greatest weakness? I I I don't get that. I'm I'm trying to understand it, but I just can't wrap my brain around that. You know, as I wrote that story, I wondered the same question, and I have to be honest. I don't know that I got the answer. I don't understand that either. I don't understand because I think about you know I look at um, even my relationship with my husband, and I have a wonderful husband. And Saturday will be 19 years that we've been married. Wonderful blessing. Thank you. You know, and he's just absolutely wonderful. But I've also seen other women around him and the little things that they do. And I'm like, he's so not, I mean, he's clueless. You know, he doesn't see it, you know, that she's bending a certain way just to, you know. And I'm like, I spot it. (laughs) I get that all the time. I I don't don't, like. (laughs) <laughs> That's why I'm laughing, Greg, because I can remember um, Greg and I having a conversation similar to that, you know. And, Greg, I'll tell you, 
I asked one. I asked an old person that one day. I won't say an old person. I, I asked a seasoned person that one day, and they gave me the the most profound and mundane answer at the same time. They said, "Well, the woman was taken from Adam's rib, which is the closest bone to his heart." Wow. So he said, every time they pick a, you know, he said, every time they pick a fight with you, or every time you pick a fight with them, it's like they're picking at that bone that's missing, and it's so close wow. to your heart that it touches your heart. And I was like, wow, that is so crazy. That's such a crazy answer, but at the same time, it made so much sense. It does. It does make sense. It does <laughs> make woman. sense. Yeah, and what do your friends think about the book? Do they do they read into it like what me and you know like Brian and what we're talking about? Do they read into it that way? Yes, they actually do. You know, I I got really good feedback from my friends. You know, they're usually my worst critics, so it's always very good uh-huh. to, to hear from them because they tell you the truth, even if you don't want to hear it. You know, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing, and that's what I want. And my pastor, I really wanted to hear. You know, his feedback in particularly because I, I respect him, and a lot of times, you know, I um, learn so much from him that I can apply to my stories. And it always seems when I'm working on a certain book, he comes up with this analogy that fits perfectly. And to me, that's just God, you know, God providing. And so, you know, I didn't want to bash a pastor because, you know, a lot of ministers are, are already a lot of controversy. And I didn't really want to do that or add to that. But the thing about it is, with me as a writer and as a Christian writer, and I know that there are probably some listeners who are are contemplating writing Christian fiction or whatever, but, you know, it's a ministry. For me, it's not just what I do. This is a ministry for me. And so, therefore, I really have to, um, my writing is tied to my relationship with God. Mm. And if, if I'm not in communication with God, I notice I can't write. And so for me, when when I get these stories, to me they're inspired by God. God plants these seeds in me, and so I have to go to him. And I spend a lot of time in prayer and meditation to write the books that he wants me to write. And originally, because Samson in the Bible was a judge, I wanted to make him a judge. And that was not what God would have me do. Mm. And so I I think it worked out really good this way, but I just kind of, I was a little concerned that people say, oh, she's bashing a pastor and, you know, this and that. And the thing about it is I have to answer to God, and I have to write what God gives me. Awesome. And so he was a minister, and I think um, it made a stronger story than the story I originally thought about with him being a judge. I would say so, because, you know, when you think about, um, you know, it's sort of like you don't think that your minister goes you know, would have to go through things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can remember my minister talking about, he said, guess what, the same sins you sin are the same sins I sin. And I was like, no, my <laughs> pastor can't do that type of stuff that I used to do and sometimes still do, you know. We but he said that they're human. You know, and, and that's what he said. He said, we are human. He said, it's just my job to give you the word. He said, but I'm human, too. I I have the same shortcomings, and, you know, we don't see our, it's sort of like if we see the pastor doing something wrong, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I saw the pastor doing that. But when we do it, we say, oh, we just ask God for forgiveness and keep moving. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) 
And sometimes we sit in judgment of those pastors instead of praying for them and, mm-hmm. you know, just doing what we can to, you know, because think about the attacks on them because they are bringing the word of God. You know, Satan doesn't like that, so of course he's going to go after them. Have, have you experienced, you know? yeah, um, have you ever experienced when you're writing where the enemy will come in and you're really close to closing out your book or you're close to closing out your chapters and things just start falling apart as if you're being challenged, as if you're being tested and, 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 and you know, you're tired and you, you're, you're flowing. But I, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, what about the distractions, the just foolish distractions that try to stop you from doing what you're doing? Because what you're doing, you're planting seeds all over the world when people read these books. Well, my distractions come, I mean, they are like major distractions. Um, for example, um, when I decided to write Christian fiction, I, um, for those that don't know, I started originally in the romance genre. And although I knew that God had called me to write, I didn't really want to write Christian fiction because I didn't think it was so. And I grew up reading Christian fiction. I was brought up in a very religious home, and um, the people were so perfect, and I wasn't perfect, so they depressed me, and I just didn't want to be depressed because I wasn't a perfect Christian. And I just felt I didn't know the Bible well enough. So anyway, it was a hard Um, It took me a while to come to the decision that I was going to do this for God. And when I made that decision, um, all hell broke loose. Mm. My husband almost died. Um, I almost died with, you know, stricken with serious illness with the first book. Um, Could not really go out and promote the first Christian book. However, it did extremely well, you know, I was stricken with panic disorder, never had panic attacks before, and all of a sudden couldn't travel, could barely leave the house. And all of this happened when I decided to write for God. And for a brief second, you know, during that time, I was like, Lord, if this is what it means to serve you and write for you, I don't want to do this. I don't like this, these feelings. I don't like going through this stuff. And, you know, that only happened for a brief second, and I came to my senses. And, you know, I still suffer from um, panic disorder. It's not as bad, but I believe God is healing me. And, you know, even if he never takes it away, I'm still going to serve God. And I had to come to that conclusion. But those are the type of distractions I've had to deal with since writing Christian fiction. And it always seems to happen when I'm doing a book. This year, I had to have knee surgery. <laughs> <laughs> You know, wow. so they're usually pretty major life-threatening kind of distractions for me. You know, nothing small. You know, it's funny. I was just talking with a good friend of mine the other day, and he was saying how ever since he started to go to church, it seems like his life has been going crazy. You know, and I told him when he first said, hey, I'm going to church, I told him, I said, be careful because you've been in the world so long that the devil can't lose you mm-hmm. and you know, I told him I said you don't realize how many people will come to Christ because of you I say so stay prayed up on it you know and he's like I pray all the time I said you keep doing it because what the devil is trying to do is he's trying to kill you you know and he was like oh man somebody just told me that I said, well, I'm just confirming it then. 
I said, but his job is to kill, steal, and destroy. I said, now think about it. If he was just going to kill you, why would he have to steal from you and destroy you? Mm -hmm. I said, so his thing is threefold. You know, he wants to steal your future. First he wants to kill you. Then he wants to steal your future, which means he's going after your seed and your offspring. I said, then he wants to destroy you, which means that your good name and your reputation will go down the drain with you. And so, that, you know, anybody that tells me that, you know, since they've come to God, now that, you know, they're, they they uh, have been under constant attack, I tell them, God is going to make your name great. Well, you, you know, know what, I always, I always think back to Job, and I think sometimes we forget. When you think about Job in the very beginning, you know, Satan mm-hmm. is meeting with God, and they're having this discussion. Job has no idea that they're having this discussion and that God mm-hmm. has given permission. And so even with panic disorder, I had to understand God had given permission. And so I deal with it, you know. I deal with it. Some days it's hard to leave the house, but to God be the glory because I force my way and I pray my way through. Mm. You know, and so, yeah. you know, and that's what it is. God has the final say. Absolutely. And Jacqueline, so somebody somebody needed to hear that. Well, it's true. I, some days I have to pray my way just to walk through the door. But guess what? God has never left me. He's always wow. there, and I get through it. I'm not on the medicine anymore. You know, to God awesome. be the glory, I am not on the meds anymore. Awesome. Awesome. Mm. So wonderful. You, you talked about when you first came into the Christian fiction that's something that you probably didn't want to do, but it it seems like you 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 brought a balance to that genre. You you you're still doing the sexual stuff that that's out there in the other books, but actually I'm not. <laughs> okay. Okay. Actually, well, not I'm not. The, not the sexual stuff, but the sexiness and the. And when I say the, the the sexual stuff is when there's the NBA player and then there's the, the Linda and that kind of thing is what, what I'm well, talking about. Well, yeah, the, the worldly yeah, stuff, romance. the worldly yeah. and yeah, the worldly romance. stuff. That right. yeah, I mean he's having an affair. This is real right, world. Right. Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I still bring the real world into it, but it's not. I don't do graphic sexual scenes, right, and I don't right, do profanity. You know, right. and all of that. Um, right. You know, because I also write a teen series, and I have kids as young as eight reading my teen series, but then they go and read my adult series, too. So I'm, I have to be very careful. You know, I speak yeah. at purity conferences all across the country, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm really big as, when it comes to advocating for abstinence, you know. And so ah. I have to be careful ah. what I am, I am telling these kids and, you know, my son took a vow of purity. You know, I still have a 15-year-old at home. I have two adult daughters, 30 and 26. But I have to live by example. And so I have to be careful that I am not sending those kids mixed messages. Right. 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 Okay. Right. That's all. Awesome. Yeah, Greg and I used to actually do um, teach abstinence education. We had for, I guess, about a year or so. But uh, we were heavy into abstinence education. Well, it needs, you need to start up again or something because I tell you, you know, our kids are in danger. Oh, absolutely. We know. <laughs> I but tell you, you it's, 
I, I want to say this. When, when we were in the abstinence field, and I know you speak on it a lot, you take hits. Oh, my goodness, you take you take hits. And a lot of churches will not welcome you in to talk about that. That's one of the things, that's one of the problems that we had. Um, we did it so much that we were able to uh, finagle our way in to the churches mm-hmm. to do it. But for some reason, we were, I mean, we had this, it was like a brick wall. They did not want you coming in talking about that at all. Uh, do you experience that at just churches, or do you experience that in when you go to community places and, and speak? Do you well, actually, to most that? of the places I've gone has been churches. A lot That's more awesome. churches now are doing purity conferences. Oh, and, purity. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, a lot of the churches now are doing that. However, you know, at the risk of alienating churches, I think there are still churches out there who don't want to talk about things like that. That's a taboo subject. And I find that ridiculous. You know, I'm just going to be honest. I find it so ridiculous because I think that's why a lot of our people are in trouble. You know, my last book, um, Before Samson, was The Ideal Wife. And that one dealt with um, wife swapping within a Christian marriage. And the reason I did that, and that was really a taboo subject. Um, But the reason I did that was because I was listening to a popular radio station and they talk about swinging all the time. And um, a woman had called in and said that she was a swinger, her and her husband, and that her husband was a pastor. And, I mean, I almost wrecked my car because I'm like, what? That didn't even sound right. You know? And then there was this TV show, Swing Town or something. And I was like, you know what, Lord? Mm -mm. You just need to come back now. And so, you know, it just, planted a seed within me, and so I did this story, and when I was doing the research on swingers, I interviewed a few, and I interviewed a couple of so-called Christian swingers, and the thing about it was, one was a Sunday school teacher, one was a theologian, knew the Bible, but they, 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 they manipulated the scriptures to suit their purposes, to make mm. it seem like it was okay to be a swinger, and they mm. called themselves liberated Christians. Wow. Wow. And so liberated the, Christians. Are yes. you serious? <laughs> yes, and and it the, the website is still out there. There is a there's a site. This was these are real people. But um wow. what I wanted the church to understand was think about it. If the church won't talk about subjects like this, like this, this think about it. My situation was I had a Christian woman in the book um, she married a husband, and she thought he was a Christian, and he thought he was a Christian, but they had very different beliefs when it came to the marriage bed. Now, somebody, and their pa- he went to a church of liberated Christians, so he's being fed the wrong information, which is why we have to study the Bible ourselves there you go. and ask God for wisdom. Mm-hmm. Now, if the churches won't talk about this, if you have a young woman who is in this situation and her husband wants her to sleep with other men, and she can't come to her church, to her pastor, or her pastor's wife, to talk about this, where is she going to go? She's going to go to the world. And what does the world tell you? That it's okay, because we're all sexually liberated. Mm. <laughs> so churches need to to talk about things like that, because people need to be able to come to the church for help. We can't yes, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I was listening to the radio just the other day, 
and a commercial came on, and I thought the guys were joking, but they were serious. They gave out this website, and and this website, I don't know if I told Brian or not, but on this website, it's for married couples that want to cheat. See? You know, I think I saw that. I thought it was a joke at first, but <laughs> the guy was serious. It said, we keep your identity, um, we, we don't take your identity or anything, you won't get caught. It, it, they're promoting it now. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is the worst. This, It bothers me. A lot of people hear it. I guess it doesn't bother them. But the fact that you're telling, that, that's destroying families. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It, it, it's, oh my. Children but you got to remember. world that we live in. No, that's the devil's design. He would just use, he uses anything he can. Cuz he's out to not just to steal and kill, he's out to destroy. Exactly. And he is exactly. playing for keeps. He's already defeated and he knows it, so he's just trying to get whatever he can on the way down. And you know what, Brian, I I want to say this about Jacqueline, you are a true soldier. Not only are you teaching, but you're actually out there fighting. And please don't ever think what you do is going is in vain. I mean, you're you're touching people right now. People are listening that needed to hear this. We had no idea that it would go this way or go <laughs> where it is right no. now. But somebody needed to hear this. That's going through this right now. And I and I'm so happy that you you touched on that and the fact that you're a living example of what a true soldier is. And and you said it yourself, you fall short some days, and a lot of days you have to pray just to go through the door. But that's the fight, and, you know, we have to fight that good fight all the way up until the end. So if anybody thinks that the devil's going to lay off, he's not. He's going to continue to come and come and come. We just have to know how to recognize him when he comes and fight the way that you're fighting. And I'm I'm just blown away at what you're doing. Well, you know, I, I to God be the glory because, you know, the the Christian um, genre right now in the um, publishing industry right now is is you're going to see a swing, you're going to see some changes, and um, you know because the economy has affected the publishing houses as well, and so you know um, you may not see as many out there, and you know due to book sales and things like that, but people that are in that situation, I hope to encourage by saying, if you write for God, just know that God's got your back. Mm-hmm. And he can open doors where there are none. Mm-hmm. And you're not to be defined by a contract. You know, I get emails from people all the time wanting to, you know, advice on writing um, and writing Christian fiction and, and writing romance without, you know, all the graphic sex because a lot of the romance books are filled with sex. You stand for what you believe in, and you trust that God is going to open that door for you. Mm-hmm. And it may not be immediate. You know, some of my prayers were not answered immediately but like I said, in my prayer journal, I can go back and see that it may have taken him three years, but he answered that prayer. Patience. And so we have to be encouraged. Mm. I, I'm, I'm wow. Away. <laughs> I'm you know, I'm like, I'm like Greg. I I had no idea that we would that it, that the whole subject matter would change and talk about this. You know, because I know some people personally who used to do that, who used to swing, and it was like, 
are y'all crazy? You know, and I'm not going to say their names on air, but, you know, it was like, it was like, wow, I can't believe y'all do that. And And at the time they were like, well, you know, we were just trying to spice up our marriage life, you know, and I was like, what? Well, you know what, that's that's kind of sad because think about it, God, God created love and sex and and I mean everything he does is perfect so you know that's really sad if they felt they needed something like that to spice up marriage i mean i've been married 19 years and i'm sorry but we're spicy enough <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know i don't need that but you know what what um when i interviewed my swingers one of the things that um came out was that um there's a on the internet and i didn't even bother um kind of like I kind of looked at it and I didn't, but um, there was this the, one of the um, the Sunday school teacher, the swinger, told me that. Well, you know, we have a Christian um, sex shop, and I'm like, those two words don't even go together. Thank you. A you Christian know? sex shop. Uh huh. And the thing is, the the um, toys or whatever, they Beautiful. are not shaped like like you know human forms, and they right. don't say the bad words. And then she was saying that um, there's been talk in that industry, in that that community, rather, of swingers, of doing um, Christian adult movies. And I'm like, you're kidding. Wow. And, you know, she said, no. She said it would be married couples, and they just wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't be saying bad words. And I'm like, but why would you want to watch that? You know? And so I'm just, I'm, th- I'm confused. I, I, <laughs> I was like, you know, if this is what... They consider Christian. I'm just a child of God. I don't even want to call myself a Christian. I'm just Thank a child you. of God because Thank you. You, you know, know what, what? You know what? I guess God just put this in my spirit. But what they're doing, they don't even realize it. And maybe they do, and it's intentional. But what they're trying to do is discredit the uh, the real Christians. Exactly. You know, they're, they're trying exactly. to discredit. And if you notice, that's the devil's intent. He's always trying to discredit the name of Jesus. Exactly. I mean, think about it. Exactly. They can say curse words on TV, but they'll blurp out Jesus Christ. Exactly. Well, you better not say that on television. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you can't even pray in school. Wow. You know, we don't even need to. That's a whole other discussion. You know, oh, yeah. and that's why things are so crazy now in school. You know, but it's a shame. And so that's why with writing Christian fiction, you know, I, I get questions from writers who want to write, you know, Christian fiction, and they want to keep it real. And there's always that discussion of how far do I go in this novel. Now, writing with um, my book, The Ideal Wife, and I was dealing with, you know, wife swapping, it was very challenging for me because I wanted to keep it clean. I wanted it to be about ministry and not about the sex. And so it was very challenging, but I think I managed to do that because, again, those scenes, I closed the door on the couples. I wouldn't want anybody watching me, so I don't watch my couples. I'm a very visual writer, and so I see my stories like movies, and I didn't want to see that. But I tell people, you know, you can keep a book real, but keep it holy. You know, you don't have to be so graphic. We pretty much know what the bad words are. So if you say your character cursed, I think we pretty much have an idea what they said. Yeah. You know, if mm-hmm. your your character takes picks up his wife and carries her upstairs, you know, we pretty much know what's going to happen. 
we don't need a a real, real graphic description. Because, again, I have single Christian women and single Christian men are single men, single, they may not be Christian, but people may be just trying to abstain from sex, period. And if I write a book that's so steamy and so hot, what is it's going to titillate them, and what are they going to do? There's no ministry there. My books are supposed to draw people into a closer relationship with God, not send them out bed hopping. Right. And so we have to be very careful with that. But I know a lot of writers that want to write Christian books, you know, in the Christian fiction genre, but they don't really know how far they're supposed to go. And they believe by keeping it real is by, you know, graphic sex and, and profanity. But you don't have to do that. Because where's the ministry? So that's true. That's true. You were talking about relationships, and a lot of people say, oh, we want to spice up the bedroom. And my question is, do you really want to do that? Why are you so focused on feeding the flesh and trying to satisfy the flesh? You can't do that. You can never satisfy the flesh. It will always want more, 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 and you can never feed it enough. And all of this introduction of the different toys and bringing all this stuff into your bedroom, be careful with what you're doing. Because I was talking with a young lady a couple months ago, and she was telling me about she introduced her husband to different things. He'd never done those things. She'd never done them. And they just opened up their bedroom to a bunch of mess. And mm-hmm. now she can't control him anymore. He He's just out of control with sexual everything. The phone, ran the phone um, up, ran the Internet service up, out sleeping with different women, and ran the credit cards up by you know, the escort services and all these different types of things. And it all happened when they invited that sexual sin into their uh, relationship, into their home and their bedroom, and into their marriage. I, exactly. I think people think that they can control it, but the devil is using sex as a very powerful weapon against us. Exactly, and that was even the example in my in, in Samson. You know, his lust for women, his weakness for women. The devil saw an opening, and he took it. And, and again, that, you know, that's real world. It doesn't get any more real than that. You know, it doesn't take the graphic sex scenes. It doesn't take all of that. You know, the devil looks for just the tiniest opening. And he doesn't need it. You know, he doesn't need the door wide open. You know, he just needs that little tiny opening, and he takes it. And that's what I hope people will get. I, I hope people get that, you know, and we'll, you know, our only defense is the Bible. No, no, and, word. you know, my pastor, mm-hmm. my pastor has this saying that, you know, we we were put here to affect the world, but instead we have been infected by the world. Ooh. And what he says is that the Bible is the um, antibiotic and that, you know, when you get an antibiotic from a doctor, they give you instructions. You may have to take it like 30 days, and you have to take all of it. Why? Because if you don't, that infection's going to come back. There's a strong chance. And so we have to read our Bible every day because if we don't, what happens? We're infected mm. by the world. We're infected. Mm. I like that. I like that, too. I like that. That's good stuff. Yes, it is. You know, I, um, Wow. This has been a good show, Greg. I'm telling you, I I just feel that 
there are some folks listening or who will listen in the future that as soon as they hear the words that she's spoken, they're going to be so indicted <laughs> and enlightened at the same time. That's true. That's so true. You know. I want to shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about all these awards. <laughs> you know? It says uh, you've you published the first of your young adult inspirational fiction series in October 2006. And then your second book was nominated for an NAACP Image Award. How did that feel? Oh, my goodness. That was like the greatest feeling. I mean, and it came at a time, the day that I buried my father was the day that I found out that I'd been nominated. And when I tell you about those big things that happened, you know, I was working on a on um, the ideal wife. I was working on that particular book, and my father died, and it was just a hard time altogether. And then um, the day also that I buried my father, we were leaving the cemetery. I got a call from my brother, my youngest brother, who was with my mom in Georgia. She had to be rushed to a hospital to have a quadruple bypass. Mm. Wow. Because they thought she was going to die But again, God performed the miracle He allowed my father to step from time into eternity But he spared my mom My mom, the doctor said, should have been dead She had 100% blockage in a couple of her arteries And um, 90% in the others But her heart made another hole And see, that was God making another way so wow. dealing with that, I was reeling because I almost lost my mom and my dad within days. And so at that point, I was like, Lord, I just cannot take it. I can't take another thing. And then my agent called, and I'm like, I really just can't handle this right now. She said, it's good news, and she told me. <laughs> and so yeah. that was just a wonderful time. We um, we went to L.A., and we walked the red carpet, and we did all the galas, and I didn't win, but it was still such a great honor. Oh, it you won. It was such a great honor. <laughs> you won. They may not have given I, you I, the award. <laughs> you won. Oh, my goodness, you won. I'll tell you what. But it was, I mean, it was great. It was a great experience, and just the fact that it was my teen book that was recognized, and that particular book divine, was Divine Confidential, and it actually um, dealt with Internet predators wow. and how the, the Internet is the new telephone. And so it really dealt with, you know, something that was very, very prevalent today, and to be honored for that book was, was amazing. You know, I want to yeah, talk wanna... a little bit about that. I know Greg is going to say exactly the same thing I said. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, I talk to kids and parents, and I talk to them all the time about Internet predators and, you know, about this whole phenomenon of them being on MySpace and Facebook and all the social networks. And, you know, I tell parents, you know, you might take your kid's Facebook account. You might take their MySpace account. But there's 15 to 20 other accounts that you have no idea they're using. Mm -hmm. And even now they have these, these gaming sites like IMVU and uh, a couple of other ones. I can't remember all the names. But it mm -hmm. seems like um, 
every time I go to my church, because I handle all the computer stuff at the church, every time I go to my church, there's another site that the kids are downloading and using to chat with each other. And I had to tell them, I said, how do you know that that person is a kid? And they said, well, they told me they were 12, you know, or he said he was nine, and uh, he likes the same thing that I like. He told me. You know, I say, how do you know that you're not talking to somebody else? Exactly. You know, and That's the kids exactly are so gullible, they go for anything. Well, he said, she said she's in the seventh grade, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, these predators are good at establishing, you know, a form of trust with these kids, you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and forging, you know, a bond. And, you know, my son is 15 and has a Facebook, and I found out because, my daughter and I communicate communicate a little bit on Facebook. My daughter's 26, and I saw my, you know, where she was talking to my son. So I, you know, went to him and we talked about it. And you know, he reads my books, and I, you know, asked, well, "What did you learn from Divine Confidential?" And he goes, "No, you know, don't believe the type." I said, "Right, don't believe the type because people can type anything." Mm-hmm. You know. And so we talked about his responsibility with Facebook, and I said, well, you're going to have to, if you're going to keep this Facebook, you have to friend me and your father. But, see, we also, I check everywhere he goes. I get a report emailed to me every week of the sites that he visits. So, you know, we we have filters on our computers. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm nosy. You know, I've already told him, you know, he's 15, he has no business. You know. That's it. We, we try not to, you know, be in everything, you know, he has his phone, you know, I don't read his texts until I let, unless I need, feel I need to, you know, but um, I am, you know, I know who's sending him texts because I control everything, and I will change mm-hmm. his passwords in a heartbeat, you know, <laughs> I, I'm very much, I'm very proactive with that, you know, right. because again, nobody's going to protect my child like I will. You know, I talk to the girls, you know, I go through, you know, the girls that I mentor at church, I go through their Facebooks, I go through their MySpaces, and I'm like, remove that picture. And I will tell them, I said, look at that picture. What what do you see in that picture? That's just my Mm. team. Do you know that somebody with bad intentions could track down your team and locate where you are? Thank you. Your pictures give off too much information. And I tell them, take those pictures down. You, you know, know I just told somebody to that. Mm-hmm. And I they just don't told, understand. I just told somebody, uh, I'm, I can't remember who's, it was, I think it was a child that, from my church. But I said, why would you take a picture with the, next to the stop sign that has the intersection of the street you live on? And they're like, what mm-hmm. picture? They had no idea what I was talking about because they're not my friend on Facebook. But they're a friend of someone at the church who's a friend of mine on Facebook. And, you know, the Facebook privacy controls before they were changed would mm-hmm. show you stuff that other people commented on. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and you could see this girl, you know, picture she sent to, hey, look at, look at my new outfit or something like that. And then they comment, oh, baby, that outfit is beautiful. You know, and then you see the picture, and you're like, oh, my God. You know, Mm -hmm. you're 13, 14 years old, and you just gave them your address, and you don't even realize it. Exactly. 
you know, and I'm always telling them, make sure that they, you know, only their friends see their information. My son has a cell phone number. I'm like, I'm not comfortable with that. And he goes, only my friends see it. And I'm like, let me check the privacy and make sure, you know, because friends of friends can see it. I don't want friends of friends. You know, I hide my son's messages to me on Facebook. I hide mm-hmm. them so other people can't see them. They're for me. You know, my daughter, I hide her conversation. You know, I don't mm-hmm. want people to be able to really link my children to me. You know, I'm just very careful. I don't put out a lot of information about me on the Internet. I don't do a lot with, you know, my children. So people, you know, because people are crazy. Yeah. You know, and, you know, my daughter has her babies, my grandchildren, all over her Facebook, and it bothers me to know that she's grown. She's grown. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. if you but, you know, she's like, I just want you to see the pictures. Send them to me via email. Text them to me. Stop showing the world these babies. You know, yeah, and, 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 yeah. and we argue back and forth over that. You know, but she she's young. But, like, you know, I tell her, you know, kids turn out missing. You know, stop. I mean, yes, you want people to admire your children and, and this and that. But, you know, the whole world doesn't need to see what these kids look like. Thank you. I don't, you know? I, 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 yeah, I don't, when you do that, what you're doing is you're inviting these people into your personal life. You're inviting them into your home when you do that. A lot of people, their intentions may be good, but the ones, the intentions are the ones that are watching with the bad intention. You don't know what they're doing when they see a picture of a little girl. You don't know what they're doing in their home. You, exactly. you just don't know, and it's so easy to trick these kids or to trick people. Because you can go to Google and pretty much Google anybody's address. Yeah, and not only I, with, not I, only I frequently you. go through that to make sure my information's not there. I mean, you just really do have to be careful. Yeah, I think you can contact Google, send them an email or a letter or something telling them to remove your information from it, and they will. Uh, mm-hmm. But what I was going to say is not only can you Google it where they live, it will give you directions how to get there. Yep. Mhm. Mhm. We live in such a transparent world now. We really do, and I and and the, unfortunately, our kids follow our examples because if we're posting pictures of everything, you know, well, how can we tell them not to? That's so true. Right. That's so you true. Know, we have about five minutes are, left in the show. Um, Jack, we have about five minutes left into the okay. show. I know okay. Dr. Bead is on. She's been on the whole time, and she's now you're talking about a soldier and a warrior. Oh, yes. <laughs> Dr. B, Dr. B does a thing. She's helping people. We love what she was doing. We, we, we're, Brian and I are really close to her. We've been dealing with her for a number of years now. And the talent and the gifted people that she's dealing with, such as yourself, Jacqueline, it is absolutely amazing. And I still say, Dr. B, I know you're listening. Brian and I still believe that you're going to be on the road with your tour. Shortly, and if you if you're still on, please say something. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we're gonna get out of you, Doctor B. This hello. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll we will let you slide. With we'll that take slide. that. <laughs> yeah. But again, really quick, Jacqueline, can you give out the information where you want the clothing sent? Also, if, are you available for speaking engagement, book signing, whatever you 
want to do, whatever you have that people need to know, please tell us. Okay, well, they can always reach me on Facebook, um, Jacqueline Thomas, you know, www.facebook.com, Jacqueline Thomas. And I am also on MySpace. I don't utilize MySpace as much as I should. The clothing, if you could send to 2404 Carriage Oaks Drive, Raleigh, North Carolina, 27614. Um, Donations greatly appreciated. Um, My church is Kingdom Embassy Center. And if you need a donation letter, you know, we'd be happy to provide one for you. Mm. Okay. Awesome, right. awesome. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Yes, you know, you've blessed me. Um, this is, the, uh, what can you say? Uh, we, we, we just let God lead us where he wants us to go. And it's just, and, I, and I he really never leaves us hanging. Yeah, I, just, I really, really, I, I know I've been saying it all night, but I really, really love what you're doing because you're in the fields, you're in the valley. And most writers, and I'm not knocking anybody, but a lot of people that are in the field that you're in, a lot of them don't really, they're afraid to deal with the abstinence issues, the, the sexual sins issues, because they feel that it's going to hurt their, their, their status as far as who's going to buy their book. And that type of thing, and, and and it's not affecting you at all because you're out there in the field and you're getting your your knees and your elbows all bruised up because of your, your love and faith for God, and that's just awesome to me. Well, you know, it does come down to who are you writing for? Are you writing for yourself and for the market, or are you writing for God? Mm. Awesome. Oh, that's that's just it. Awesome. Well, thank you again for having me. Yes, thank oh, you. it has I'm been sure our most esteemed pleasure. Yeah, and I'm sure Brian has some closing thoughts. I do. You know, just like Samson, Samson went through a trial in his life where he was confused. He really didn't know who to trust. And so he put his trust in someone who had uh, other intentions. You know, but we all know that when he finally put his trust in God, that he was able to prevail. So my last thought would be to always put your trust in the Lord, because He never, ever, ever fails you. That's right. You know, and with that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we thank you so much for joining us. Miss Thomas, I think we we probably haven't had a show with so much good information like this that you know that not only that people can use but that people can also share. And so I, I tell you, I, I've just had a absolute ball tonight. Yes, and Brian, we can't leave out. We cannot forget Doctor B. I know how absolutely, before, but people just don't realize how precious and how. Uh, encouraging and, and just how her vision of, of doing things and how all of this is coming together. But remember the name Dr. Linda B. That that you that would be a household name as, as well as Jacqueline's. But she's really out there doing some things, and it is just absolutely amazing the things that you guys are doing. Absolutely, thank absolutely. You. And you you guys are doing a great job as well. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you. Much. 
And we bid you all good evening, God bless you, and good night. Thank you, Dr. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye.